Well, good evening. Are we awake? Come on, it's like we made coffee and everything. We're good. And by the way, we do have hot cocoa for those of you that were complaining. It just wasn't put out yet, but there is cocoa there now. But um, hey, I'm, I'm excited about tonight. Um, we're kind of like in this in-between um, stage right now, you know, with us transitioning to a Sunday night and everything. You know, we had this series that we were going through called Dangerous Prayers and everything. And the next week is Mother's Day. And please, please, please come. Um, next week, invite. it's a great time to invite someone. Um, we have a service planned all out honoring mothers and, and, and doing all that. So um, we even have surprises for you. So, so for the mothers, not you, Tim. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. But, um, yeah, we, we want you to come. But um, I wanted to kind of continue in this path that we've been going through um, and, and really just start putting some more flesh to this idea. If you've been around, we, we did this entire series about this idea of just praying dangerously. You know, of asking God to search me, asking God to break me and send me and do all that. And then last week, we really kind of talked about, you know, what that looks like about being hope bearers um, in our world and, and being light and salt on this planet and everything. And I think it all comes down to this idea that um, I, I think we are called to be heroes in a world that so desperately is in need of real heroes. Because what we have as heroes right now is not very heroic whatsoever. I mean, I mean, it really is. And if you think about it, I think all of us here, whether guy, girl, so at some time, maybe one time, at least one time, thought of yourself as what it would be like to be a superhero. I mean, what, what would it be like to be like Captain America or Iron Man or Spider-Man or Superman? And I, and I think that resonates in us, the idea of being this hero and this heroic thing. I think God has placed that into that. That's something that we, we want to be something bigger and larger. And that, that's why this summer more people will spend more money to go see Captain America fight Iron Man than, than, any, than any, any other movie. And, and that's why when, when I went and saw um, Batman versus Superman, like, I literally almost, like, just jumped up and screamed like a little girl when Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman was all standing there. I'm like, oh, this is awesome! This is super because we like superheroes. I did. Yeah. And, and we like this. And so, uh, but I, I think we have the ability to be heroes even greater than that. Because that, that's fiction, and, and that, that's dream. And, and like I said last week, we carry hope, not wishful thinking. Because we carry Jesus. And that, that's, that is the hope of everything, of, of everyone. And so we carry, and so we have this opportunity to bring it. But sometimes we think about that, and maybe it's overwhelming. And, and so the idea, we, we all know the definition of, of faith, the author of Hebrews put this in Hebrews 11.1, 1, he says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. It's basically we, God is looking for people to step out and live their lives, not necessarily knowing what the next step is going to be or what the next door is going to be or the next journey or whatever. It's just, but just being able to step out in faith. <coughs> we are naturally people of faith. We live lives of faith. Every single day you get up and put your foot on the ground. You have faith that it's not going to open up and swallow you. Everyone, you came in here and sat in a chair. No one checked the chairs. We, ha- we are naturally built on faith, that we live by faith. And this idea that we can go out and do something beyond ourselves and amazing. It may sound intimidating. It may sound like, oh, that's not me. But, but I think it is because tonight, this is what I, I want to talk about being in the company of heroes and, and living a heroic faith. And see, I believe tonight I am in the company of a whole bunch of heroes. And I think all across this planet today, there are churches full of heroes. The problem is, is they just don't know it yet. 
They just don't know. And so tonight we're going to be sitting in Hebrews 11. So if you have a Bible, open it up there. We'll bounce around a little bit. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles. If you don't own a Bible, take it. It's yours. Put your name in it. We'll get more. And stuff. But we just want to make sure everybody, but go to your Bibles and turn to Hebrews 11 and pray with me real quick. God, thank you so much God, for all that you do. God, thank you that you call us to something more. So, God, tonight we just we just ask that, um, God, you would just move. That you would, again, tonight search our hearts. God, if there's anything in there that would keep us from hearing you or responding to you, God, then just show it to us. God, we ask that you would break and shatter the things that need to be shattered, God, so that we would just, just pour out for you, God. And that we would just see how it is that we can just live heroically. God, through you and by you. So, God, I ask, I ask that you just hide me, that, uh, that these are your words and not mine. And, that God, that you would speak and that when we leave here tonight, that everyone will not be saying, wow, that was great music or a great video or a great sermon. But just we would walk out and say, wow, what a great God you are. And that's the only thing that matters tonight. So, God, I just ask that you would speak. Give us ears to hear and hearts to respond to your word. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Corey Timboom and says, does anybody not know who Corey Timboom is? Anybody? Okay, you need to read a book called The Hiding Place. This this should be mandatory reading and stuff. Listen, I, I'm telling you, there are so many great people of faith that have gone before us, that have written some great things. Start reading. Be be readers. Be readers. Even I don't care if it's digital or it's paper, it doesn't matter. But be readers. But Corey Timboom, um, who you know lived through the Holocaust, did all this. Just a great heart. Great book. Read it if you haven't read. It. Says this: Faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. And I, I think tonight that's exactly what God is calling us to do, to believe the things that nobody else believes. God, uh, to, to see the things that nobody else sees and, and to receive the thing, because there's nothing impossible in God's kingdom. And, and, and I think if we just get a grasp of that tonight, this, this entire community is going to change. Like we couldn't believe. So, so let, let's let's go on this. And I want to. Many of you probably have read Hebrews 11 before. It's the Hall of Fame of Faith. You know, the author writes through, and we and we know this story and everything. I actually want to jump down towards the end of it because it's my favorite part of the chapter. So, in Hebrews 11, starting at verse 35, closing out the chapter, the author writes: Women received their dead; they were raised to life again. Some men were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might gain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us. I mean, it's, it's, it's this beautiful story, and it's probably kind of sounds depressing at the end of us. And, and, and I, I, want us, I want us to really kind of just dive into this a little bit because the very first thing is we, we know the list. If you've ever read this chapter before, you go all the way back to verse 4. You start getting these lists of these amazing people. 
You know, you, you get these lists of like Abraham and, and Moses and you get people like like David and Jacob and Isaac and, and all the patriarchs and, and, the, and the prophets and all these just amazing, amazing people. And we know that list. And, and if you're like me, you look at that list and say, wow, those guys were awesome. I could never, ever come close. I mean, man, David was a king. Abraham, like he's like everyone's dad, you know, <laughs> you know. Moses, you know, goes to let my people go, Pharaoh. Charlton Heston. I mean, that's I could never be that. You know, I just I mean, these guys, I mean, this it's impossible. I mean, David saw a giant and threw a rock and killed him. This this I could never be all that. Well, before we go any further, I just want you to know a little bit about those guys. That you guys are better company than they were. I mean. Abraham was a liar. I mean, how many times did Abraham tell Pharaoh, oh, that's my sister, not my wife? I mean, he, he, he lied. I mean, Moses got mad and he, he killed an Egyptian and then ran away and then made every excuse not to go and follow God. I mean, David not only slept with someone else's wife, but then to cover it up, killed her husband. And, uh, and so and if, if you don't fall into any of that stuff, you guys are doing much better than all the Old Testament. <laughs> But see, we, we know who's on the list, but what I want to pay attention to is the ones that aren't on the list. The, the ones that aren't even named. Jump, jump back down there, verse, verse 35. It says, women received their dead. They were raised to life again. Some men were tortured, not accepting release, so they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mocking, scourging, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. None of that today would define what we would call a hero. I mean, their names aren't even listed in there. In fact, we would look at that, someone that's walking around in a sheepskin or a goatskin that's, that's standing on the side of the road and holding a sign, the end is near. You know, we look at them like, loser. <laughs> I mean, they, they have no monuments named after them. They, they have no cities named after them. There's no great battles they've ever fought or won. They're not even named. And everything the world says is what would make a hero like the Davids and the Abrahams and the Moses. These people shouldn't even be mentioned. And yet there's this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful saying that God says the world was not worthy of them. He, he doesn't say that about anybody else. He doesn't say it about Abraham. He doesn't say it about. And so we need to start getting the idea that maybe we have the wrong idea of what a hero looks like. Because these people, man, that everything we look at them and says, I mean, they didn't even get the promise. They didn't, they didn't even get to see Jesus. He is so cute. <laughs> I hear him. I hear him. He's so cute. I mean, he didn't get to see Jesus. I mean, I mean, just I, I want I want you to know how good we are set. When, when you talk about Abraham, David, and even all these people that the world was not worthy of them, they had never seen Jesus. We are on the other end of all of this. You know, we not only we not only know about Jesus, we we know about his death and his resurrection. We also have the complete word of God, everything we need to know and to do and to be a Christian and someone to follow God and be a heroic person of faith is right here for us. We have all of this. They didn't even have this. They only had the Old Testament. We have everything. We already have the complete picture. 
And so we are in a better position than all of these people that are named that we just sit there and we idolize so much. I, we just we need to start redefining what a what a hero is. We need to start looking about what it actually is in God's economy, what a hero looks like and stuff. So if you have Bible, go, go ahead and turn to First Corinthians chapter one. Pop over there. This is becoming some of my favorite verses. Uh, starting at verse 26, it, it says, Brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from human perspective, not many powerful, not many noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something. So that no one can boast in his presence but it is from him that you are in christ jesus who became god-given wisdom for us our righteousness sanctification and redemption in order that is written the one who boasts must boast in the lord see we we need to we need to redefine what it means to be a hero and to live a heroic faith and and the very first thing we need to understand and remember is where we came from Paul makes it very, very clear. Verse 26, brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from human perspective. Not many powerful, not many noble of birth. Listen, the one thing that we all have in common, no matter what our background is, every one of us needed a savior. None of us was good enough not to need a savior. All of us came from a fallen state in a broken world. We, we all came from the same place. Now, now when, when you were lost and without Jesus, you may have had a ton of money, but you were lost and you still had, you were lost. You could have been popular and powerful, but you were still lost. It, it doesn't matter. All of, our, all of our beginning spot is the same place. That we all have to come to a point where we look at Jesus and we say, I can't do it. Your way, not my way. And so we all came from that. And, and none of us and none of us did that on our own volition, by the way. None of us just woke up one day and says, I just think I'll become a Christian. Because my Bible says unless the Spirit draws them, unless God draws us, unless the Spirit brings understanding, it wouldn't have happened. You see, you didn't save yourself. I love it. I, I used to, when we would go to camps and we would do stuff, I would have leaders come and they would all be like really like pumped and they'd get nervous like the first day of camp and they're just scared and they're like, man, if I mess this up, these these kids aren't going to hear about Jesus and, and things are going to be bad and there's all stuff. And I would have to sit them all down in a room and say, listen, I just want you to know, everybody hold up your hands. Does any of you have scars in your wrist? <laughs> no? Anybody have like a spear wound in your side? See, none of you are Jesus, so none of you are going to save anybody. That's Jesus' job. See, none of us could save ourselves. We can't save our families. We can't save our friends. Where we started from is a place of total and absolute need. And praise God, Jesus met us right there. The good news is that he doesn't wait for us to fix ourselves. He meets us right where we're at. No matter where that is. And so when we start thinking about being heroic, we have to remember where we came from. And then we also, we got to remember what we bring to the table. Look at verse 27, 28. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world. What is viewed as nothing to bring to nothing what is viewed as something. We don't bring anything that God needs. 
Do you, do you understand that? There's not. Can I pick on you just a little bit? I love Hannah was nervous. Hannah, you did such a fantastic job tonight singing. Thank you. That takes a lot of guts to get up. But Hannah came in. She's all nervous. She's like, what if I mess up? What if I mess up? God's bigger than our messes. He doesn't need us. You can't impress God. I, I love. I, and there's so many of us that think we can. Like we are God's gift to God. That's I mean, we should, it's like, look at me, God. I'm, I'm, I'm it. I mean, and just think about this for a second. God says we look at God and God says, son, <laughs> and we're like mud pie. <laughs> That's the best I can do. And you made the mud, God. I mean, we, we don't bring anything to the table. It's all what God does through us and for us. And so for you to for us to sit in, in seats and in churches and just say, I can't be used by God. I can't be used by God. That's not me. I'll never be that person. Then you've just looked at God and said, God, my life is bigger than you. My problems are bigger than you. And if that's your God, then that is not a God worth your life or your time. Listen, if, if, I'm, if I can figure out all there is to know about God, and if I can put God all in the box and, and everything, and my problems and everything is bigger than God, I guarantee you it is not worth me getting up every day and following him. See, because my God's bigger than all of it, and I don't bring anything that he needs. I love it. Henry Blackaby would always say, you know, he would say, you're invited to join God where he's already working. Believe me, when we came down here, to start a church, it wasn't like God saying, finally, wow, I've been waiting for a church for years, and just now now I can actually do something. I, it's not, I mean, God was already at work down here. God is already at work all over the planet. We get to join him where he's at. He invites us to join him. That's what's cool. That's cool. It's like bring your kid to work day with God every single day. How cool is that when you were little when dad was like, yeah, come on, let's go. I mean, and if you had like a dad that had like a cool job where he blew up stuff and stuff, that was even better. We've got a dad that doesn't only blow up stuff, but makes things blow up and become and all this other stuff. We have the biggest, greatest dad in the world. He's like, hey, come to work with me today. That's awesome. Because it's not what we bring. It's what God does. And if you think you are more important than you are, I promise you, God will show you how not important you are. You know, I, 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 this, I, I joke about these, but I do. When I look at this and it says, God chooses what's foolish and weak and insignificant, I'm like, wow, I'm the perfect pastor. <laughs> because it, it's all about him. And so, so let's, let's remember what we bring. And then finally, let, let's remember who it's about. Church, I tell you, there are too many churches and there are too many people trying to build their own kingdom instead of God's kingdom. It it is never about us. Verse 30 and 31, but it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus who became God-given wisdom for us, who became our righteousness, our sanctification and redemption in order that as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. Listen, any victory that we have in our life, anything that we see this church do or we see in our faith, it is the only one that ever deserves credit is Jesus Christ. That's heroic. That that's what it means. And so, and so if I start looking at myself like, listen, I, I came from the idea that God saved me 
and it is all about him. And it's not that I bring anything. It is the giftings he gives me. It is the leading that he does. It is, it is the working through me and his righteousness. And that in the end, it is all about Jesus, that I cast the seed and I do whatever it says, but it's Jesus that brings the crop and it's Jesus that does everything else. All I have to do is be obedient to that. Then, man, I can be a hero in the ranks of an Abraham and a Moses and a David and a Paul and a Peter. We can do all of that and even more because what they didn't have, we have the complete picture of who Jesus is. And and even better yet, we know the end of the story. So the next time you watch the news and you see how bad this world is getting, thank God for it because that means we're one day closer to Jesus fixing it all anyway. Because in the end, we already won. What can the world do to us? Jesus already won. And so, man, we are called and, and, and told to go live this heroic faith. Go live this heroic life because it's not about what I do or what I bring. It's about what I allow God to do through me. And all I have to do is be obedient in that. All I have to do is say yes today. And wake up tomorrow and say yes again. I mean, it, it's beautiful. It, it, it's beautiful. See, I believe all my heart I'm in the company of heroes. Every time I'm around other believers, I believe all my heart I'm in the company of heroes. The problem is, is most of them don't know it and everything. Jump over to Hebrews 12. Th- this is my all-time, all-time favorite. And you, you probably have heard this. If you've been around churches, you've probably heard this starting verse 1. Therefore, and, and just to let you know, it is true. My Bible professor always said, you know, whenever there's a therefore, find out what it's there for. It's true. The author is saying here, says, listen, since there have been so many that have lived this life that that weren't perfect and messed up and God redeemed them and used them to conquer kingdoms, to build his kingdom and and to do these amazing things. And the ones that weren't even named and, and didn't even know about Jesus, didn't even saw him. Therefore, since all of them came. Since there have been the Dietrich Bonhoeffers and the Mother Teresas, and since there has been the Corey Ten Boom, since there has been the Billy Graham, since there has been so many others before us that have gone and have done this, since it has happened in the past, it can happen again. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares, and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of god's throne therefore since it's been done before do it again listen just a couple of things with this i just want you to think we're not the first you're not the first one to face persecution you're not the first one to face trouble you're not the first one to face fear or trials or or answer you're not the first and you're not going to be the last there have been so many that have gone before that have done this and then lived it and we don't even know their names and i love that at the end of hebrews he lists all these people never names and says the world is not worthy of them we are not the first it's been done before and if it's been done before it can be done again in your life and in my life the next thing travel light I love that he puts in there, listen, 
Lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Listen, we carry around so much guilt and shame and sin and Jesus says, no, 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 it's finished. I already paid for that. Let it go. Get rid of it. I, I used to be... I used to, I was in the army for seven years. And the first place I was stationed was Fort Stewart, Georgia. And we were a rapid deployment force, which just means that, you know, if something happened, we had a go bag. Like literally in my closet, there was a bag of gear that they could call and say, you're leaving. You're on alert and we're leaving. And I had to grab a bag and look at my wife, maybe get to kiss her and leave. But we were always getting, we could get deployed like that and everything. And so we always had to be ready. Now everybody's like that. But, but. It, it was a great place to <laughs> it was a great place to grow up really fast and everything. But um, we would have to train and be always ready. And so we were we had to be in top physical condition. We always had to be ready. And one of the things we had to do is you might get sent someplace and your vehicles not get there for like 60 days afterwards. And in the United States Army, no matter what they tell you, everyone is an infantryman because <laughs> everyone marches. If you have no vehicles, you walk. And so we would have to do forced ruck marches. Like we would have to march about every three months. We'd have to do a 12-mile march, and we'd have to do it in like three and a half to four hours. Now, now here's the deal. You'd have, and we'd have to qualify with that. every. And if you didn't qualify it, they just dogged you until you, you did make it and stuff. And so you got this rucksack that was full of about 50 pounds, and they weighted. It was 50 pounds worth of gear on your back. And then you had your weapon, and you had ammo, and you had all that stuff. And I remember, man, you would just be humping. And we were in Georgia. Listen, you don't just walk in Georgia in the summer. You swim because there's so much humidity. It's swampy, and it's just it's, it was horrible. It was a terrible place to be outside of Savannah. And we would march and march and march. And I remember that you would just you would be humping and humping. And about 10 miles, at the 10-mile mark, you're just dying. Your feet are probably bleeding. You're just you're exhausted. And the CO would show up and says, all right, guys, we got two miles left. Drop the rocks. And a truck would come up, and we would drop all our gear, and they would throw it up on the thing. And all of a sudden, everything was taken off of us. He's like, we got two miles left, and we're going to run it out. And I tell you something, we, it was like gazelles all of a sudden. You know? <laughs> we, were just, we were just like, we were flying. It was like, this is the fastest two miles I ever did. Because all of a sudden, all that weight, all that stuff that's wearing me down was off of me. It's the same way of our faith. Man, get rid of the sin. Get rid of all the stuff. Get, travel light and fly like a gazelle. Because our faith life is not a sprint. It is a marathon. It is your entire life. And you've got to keep going and keep going and keep going. And it's quicker you get rid of some of that weight that's on your back and that sin and all that stuff that you keep on. The faster you're going to go and the more people you're going to reach and God's going to receive more glory. Travel light. Let it go. Whatever it is. That's why we pray, God, search me and know my heart. Show me if there's anything and reveal my sin, reveal my fear, reveal whatever is weighing me down so that I can run. And, and, and then finally, then finally, focus on the finisher. It's not a misprint. It's not a typo. Don't focus on the finish. Focus on the one that already finished it. Focus on the one that finished and completed and perfected our faith. You focus on Jesus and your eyes are on Jesus. You can go through anything. You, you keep your eyes focused on him and where he's leading you. And know that and just in the end that no matter what, he is one who keeps his promises. That he, tr- 
that he is trustworthy, he is faithful, and you just keep your eyes focused on him. It doesn't matter where you're leading. That, I mean, this is why David could say, though I walk through this valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because my eyes are on Jesus. And I can just keep walking and I can keep running and I can keep going. See, what we try to focus on is the finish. You know, for this church, we I, I, we focus on one man. Well, I can't wait till we have a hundred people coming to church, because when we have a hundred people, you know, we're going to be able to have a budget like this, and we're gonna be, and we focus on what we think is the finish. I think if we just focus on the finisher, Jesus, then everything else is going to pan out and just be fine. I, I think in your life, if you want to live a heroic faith and you want to see, you actually want to see people's lives change, you focus on Jesus, and He's going to take you right where He needs you to do that. And where you'll be the most effective in everything. So stop focusing on what you think should be the goal and what should be, and focus on the one that already finished all the work. And you will run and not grow weary. Isn't that great? I, I, I love, I love um, Joni Erickson Tata. And I know, guys, this is big stuff. And you're just like, well, well what do I do with all this? I mean, wow, that, that's cool. It's easy for you. You're a pastor, you know? You're paid to do this. You, you already know this stuff. But, man, I just I got to go to work Monday, and, and I got to show up at my mom's group Monday, or I got to go to school Monday. And so how do I live this out? I love Joni Erickson Tata says this. Faith isn't the ability to believe long and far into the misty future. It's simply taking God at his word and taking the next step. You want to live a heroic faith, then just take the next step. Whatever that is, big, small, whatever that is. You, you want to live a faith that actually that just is dangerous and crazy and makes change like you've never seen. All you do is you just take the next step. Just do that. I, I promise you there, there, there were days when Paul, all he could do was take the next step. Because it, you, you, if you read his word, you read what he says and stuff, where he talks about just the abuse and all the stuff that he went through and being in prison. And he said, you know, there's times where you just hear, all I can do is take that next step. I guarantee you there were days when Moses looked at those Israelites and all of them just complaining and yelling and stuff. And he's like, uh, just help me take the next step. I guarantee you, Billy Graham, all his preaching, there were days where he just said, I don't know why I do this. or yeah, I just need to take the next step. Listen. It doesn't matter where you're from, what you have, or any of this stuff. It, it just matters that I'm taking the next step and letting Jesus do what Jesus always does. He takes a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread, and he feeds 5,000 men, which actually is about 15,000 people with children and women. Sorry, they didn't count you ladies back then. <laughs> and if that's all I have to bring, and if that's all my faith can muster, you know, if, that, if that's like, this is all I have, Lord. I mean, isn't that what Jesus said with the widow that said, all I have is two mites, and I just drop it and says, wow, how blessed is she? What an amazing act of faith that is. All it is is whatever we have that we can give and take that next step, God will take that and make the impossible possible, the unimaginable realized. The things that nobody else see materialize. God will do all that. And all we have to do is take the next step. And I believe I am in the company of heroes. Because Jesus has already done the work. So what is that next step for you?
What is that thing that you, you need to do? But I, I'm so grateful for you guys and your faithfulness here and, and everything. And there's still so much work to do. There's so much stuff going on in this community. You know, you, you can pray. I, I emailed every pastor in this community and said, it's about time we started getting together and praying. We may not agree. Listen, if we can agree that Jesus is the only way and that his scripture is the only word, then we need to get together and start praying for each other as pastors. And we need to start praying for the people of this community because there is a darkness here, and I know the answer. The light of Jesus will, sh- will just drive it all out. But we need to do that. And so I, you need to be praying for, like, this church and, and other churches. You, you need to be looking in your neighborhoods. God, what's the next step I need to do with my neighbors? What, what's the next step I need to do, you know, at my school? What's, what's the next step? Because if, if it's just a little step, God, give me the strength to take that next step. Because whatever it is, every time you take that step, you become a hero. Every time you live out that faith in front of someone and they see it and it touches their lives, you become a hero. And God is in heaven gathering his angels saying, wait, 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 Abraham, remember what you did? Watch this. <laughs> but that kid just told his friend about Jesus. Isn't that cool? What's your next step? That's what I'm doing. I, I just want us to take some time tonight and just pray about that, whatever it is. You know, whatever God is saying to you and whatever is going through your mind, I just let, let God just speak. Um, we, we were made to be heroes. This world needs heroes, real heroes, and, and, and I'm, I'm in the company of them. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going um, to invite Tim to come up and just you know, play a little music and stuff like that. Just sit and just pray. You know, and if you feel God moving, if you feel, like you feel like you need to get up and go pray over here and stuff in our little prayer room, you can do that. If you feel like, man, I just want to remember once again what Christ did for me, um, we have communion. Um, if you feel led, like oh, I feel like God's told me you know, to give my tithe and offering, then you can do that. Or if you feel just sitting there and just saying, God, what's the next step? Don't leave here without letting God answer that question for you tonight. But we are, man, it's been done before, and it's time to do it again. Let's run. Let's take that next step. Let me pray for us.